Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Hey, Christy. Hey there. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good, good. What is going on on campus lately? Ooh, there is a lot of excitement on campus. Um, there, recently, there was some destruction <gasps> happening. Oh, no. Give me the deets. In the best of ways. So <laughs> hopefully, as many of our listeners know, we are building a new camp, a new building on campus. It's going to be an academic building and also a conference center. Yes. We, I think um, Father Dave in his, in the first episode, he dropped the name, right? That's right. That was breaking news. It was Christ the teacher. Right? Yeah. So there's been a lot of like underground work happening mm-hmm. with water and gas to get it ready. And then this recently was the first time that we've actually started to make room for this Woo-hoo! new building. Um, so depending on your age, as you're listening, uh, you might know of the projects, right? Or you might know them as the heights. Okay. We know we, Christy and I know them as both because I think during our time here, they were making the transition from the projects into Franciscan owned. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's where the new building is going to be is up in that area of the heights. And so they are going to be tearing down some of the heights, not all of them. Uh, so it was really exciting. Recently, there was like a destruction party where, <laughs> uh, in a very orderly fashion, they had the students just go to town and gave them sledgehammers I and love spray that. paint. And uh, it really, hearing about it before it happened, I was like, uh, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> um, but when I showed up, it was just a really fun atmosphere that was very organized and the students just handled it so well, like oh. breaking windows and <laughs> taking out frustration. And you know, I, I think that's way. a great, I know that, you know, as the semester draws to a close, you need to get out some of that nervous energy, <laughs> maybe take a break from studying. So I don't know how many other Franciscan students have gotten to say they've gotten to break windows in the past, maybe when they needed a break from organic chemistry, right? Seriously, (laughs) tear down walls. I love that. Yeah, it was it was really fun. And then after like an hour, probably Father Dave got into the excavator. Oh, yeah. And he tore it down or he started to go Father Uh, Dave. Yeah. So it was a it was a fun night on campus. I like that we had to make you had to make some room, Mm -hmm. right? For the new the new things that are coming. Yeah. That's and it exciting. made me think of like, you know, when we have this podcast in years to come, we'll probably have some young alums who think back and that was going to be an influential part. I a think. memory. Yeah. Of knowing, okay, now we're, things are growing. The university's growing and I we're going to have a big, beautiful building here. Oh, I can't wait. I love that. It's going to be really so nice. Much. And it just, it really is neat to see the change happening. I know so many of our alumni mention so many of the physical buildings that were there that were being built that weren't now are not there and it's really I don't know it's it's just really moving to literally see the physical manifestations of growth on campus or hear about how it has changed so much since the beginning 
Yeah, it's a really good sign. It is. It is. And our guest today was here um, at at the College of Steubenville, as it was called then, and he he saw some really, you know, the changes when he was here. He was right on the cusp of a lot of the new buildings. So yeah, he definitely had that growth in mind. Yeah. Okay. So good. Well, yeah. So our guest today is Mike Kehoe, and Mike is of the class of 1968. So when he was here, he studied poli sci with a minor in business. Um, And on campus, he was involved in the fraternities and in the Greek life. So he was a part of the Tau Kappa Epsilon fraternity. Um, He was also very involved in the intramural sports on campus. Um, After he graduated, he was an officer in the U.S. Army, and he served in Vietnam before beginning his professional career. Um, Mike had a long and illustrious career in telecommunications with AT&T that took him all over Ohio and the East Coast. And he truly is an example of virtuous leadership in the workplace, Um, just great integrity um, and dedication in all of his roles. So much so that in 2012, he received the Professor Edward J. Kelly Award from Franciscan. And this is an award given annually to an alumnus that um, has reached a level of success in the areas of business, accounting, finance or law. So Mike received that, that great award. And we're just so grateful that Mike is here with us today. Yeah. So let's hear from Mike. All right. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for the invite. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to hear more about your life and your story. Um, can you start by telling us where you're from and how you ended up at the College of Steubenville at that time? Glad to. Uh, originally grew up in, in Cleveland, on the west side of Cleveland, the suburb of Lakewood. Uh, after high school, I spent uh, the first year of my collegiate career at John Carroll uh, trying to understand myself and deciding whether I really wanted to commit myself to college or something else, which I ultimately made that decision. And I thought the best way to experience college was to get away from being a commuter at John Carroll and look for another small Catholic college. And I left the Jesuits for the Franciscans. It was a great move (laughs) uh, in a lot of different ways. And uh, the College of Steubenville at the time was an excellent match. I had some thoughts about even playing basketball, and I, I did for a year on the, what they called the, the freshman team back then, but clearly making the step from that to the varsity was well beyond my level. Uh, they had an excellent uh, program and team back in the uh, 60s, so that was it. So that's my story on how I arrived at the College of Steubenville. That's great. So once you were there, finally out of Cleveland, right now, not too, too far, but on campus, um, what was what was life like? What was the culture like? Um, do you remember about how many students were there at the time? Did you live in the dorms? I, I did live in the dorm, and of course, at that time, everyone, with the exception of those who were commuter students, everyone lived in the dorms. Uh, so from, from that perspective, it was an excellent experience to get to know people. Uh, I guess what surprised me more than anything was the large quantity of people who were from 
Pittsburgh and then the East Coast, the New Jersey people uh, or those who were from Philadelphia, New York, and so on. Uh, and there were fewer people from Ohio other than the commuter students. You were from Ohio than I ever expected. So it was a it was a nice experience getting to know people from that part of the country, if you might want to say. Uh, as a as a campus at the time, uh, it was uh, still growing in a lot of different ways in the sense that the enrollment at the time was probably 1,100, maybe 1,200. And uh, the, the buildings were those that they had originally constructed when it just moved up from the downtown campus up on uh, the, the plateau. Um, the year after I left, construction began in earnest in a number of buildings, including the chapel was constructed, the J.C. Williams Center, the new library, and, and kept, kept going on and on. But, uh, so life on campus at the time in, in the 60s, mid-60s, this was, uh, certainly was a bit different than it is today. Uh, the prime social event on campus and social happening uh, was built around the, the fraternities and sororities, uh, as you probably know from talking to other alums. Now, with that came the uh, intramural sports, which were very, very popular. Uh, also, the, as I mentioned, the social life, the, the, the parties and other events that the fraternities and sororities were doing. Uh, Social life, aside from the fraternities and sororities, was somewhat limited. I mean, you did have the theaters downtown to go to. There were some restaurants. Uh, and, of course, there were a couple of pubs that <laughs> existed back then that were frequented by students. Uh, Stoney's up on Stony Hollow Boulevard, which may still be there. It's uh, uh, it's it's long gone now. It's now it's now apartments. I can actually see it from my house. Isn't that sad? Okay. But you are the you're the second alumni to mention that that was a that was a frequent haunt. So <laughs> yes, uh, the other one was uh, down the hill uh, at the bottom next to a across the street from a bowling alley, and at the time it was called the library. <laughs> so you can certainly. Tell your parents that evening you spent your <laughs> evening at the library studying. Now, what you were studying, we won't go into that. <laughs> and the, the other third pub, small though it may be, was over at the LaBelle Golf Course. Oh, in the clubhouse uh, was, there? There were there were there was a small house and uh, there were probably three or four tables that you could sit around three or four people and, and so on. That, uh, that, was, that was the extent, you might say, of the social factors at the college at the time. Was there still, was the golf course that was near the campus still functioning as a golf course when you went there? Yes, it was. Yes. That's amazing because we, now it's, um, they've translated it into like a cross-country course and two new fields and it's pretty amazing, so. Yes, Yes. And in fact, some of it, we played our intramural softball games down there at the LaBelle Field. Yes. Uh, and, and our intramural football games were played down there. 
Oh. And for basketball, we had to trek down to the downtown YMCA. Oh, yeah. I don't even think, I don't even know where that is. I don't uh, even know where that would be. <laughs> that's across the street from the St. Anthony's Catholic Church. Oh, yep. Right okay. down in, on that street. I can't remember the name of that street. Uh, and I will say this, uh, unfortunately, this was prior to Title IX and the NCAA. So the women had few sports to participate in. Uh, and I'm sure you can you'll get comments on that from some of the alumni that you interview. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you mentioned the importance of the fraternities and the sororities. Were you involved in a fraternity? Yes, I was in Tall Kappa Epsilon and also very involved in the organization called Greek Council that kind of coordinated uh, different aspects of the fraternities and sororities. I wouldn't call it a governing body. It was more advisory in its role. And ultimately, in my senior year, I was president of that organization. Uh, one of the other functions of the Greek Council was to coordinate the annual Greek hum competition, which was a it was song fest <laughs> that was held annually. Uh, the fraternities and sororities competed against each other for what you might call uh, a, their own version of a Broadway production or putting a show on and was judged by uh, our own faculty, a few of our own faculty, as well as faculty from the two high schools in town, if I remember correctly. Wow. So, okay. Yes. That's really cool. That's really neat. So, when so you... there were a few things going on back then. Oh, yeah. It sounds exciting. It sounds like there was a lot going on. Um, yes. When So when you were at Franciscan, what did you study? Did, had you already kind of figured out what you wanted to study when you went to John Carroll? Or when you went to Franciscan, how did that develop? When I arrived on campus, my decision was to go political science with uh, a minor in business, and that played out very well uh, from a standpoint that uh, my first job post-graduation was with the federal government for a few months before I went in the military. So I had that stepping stone into that first position. Uh, the rest of my career, it clearly was much different, but that was that was a great stepping stone and the business background did help long term. Yeah. And now you mentioned that you went into the military post-graduation. And as some of our listeners will know, when you graduated in 1968, it was at the kind of the uh, surge or peak of the Vietnam War. You had mentioned before when we were talking that you um, got drafted right after you graduated. Is that correct? Well, yes and no to that question. Uh, right prior to the letter of my arrival, I enlisted in the Army to get in the Officers Candidate Program. But once the letter arrived, I had to take the letter back to the en enlistment office to the sergeant who quickly wanted to uh, take care of the paperwork <laughs> so he would get credit for an enlistment. <laughs> well, the, the time was 1968, my last year, and you know full well from your knowledge of history that the Vietnam War was peaking at that point. And uh, uh, while there were a few people on campus who were going to 
what we would call the equivalent of an ROTC program. They would go on weekends off campus to Pittsburgh or wherever, and they eventually went in the military. Uh, the rest of us on campus kind of knew that right after graduation, we would be called for uh, what they call a pre-induction physical by the draft board. And in fact, shortly after I finished, yes, I got called to Cleveland, the federal building downtown and went through the physical and uh, they, uh, we asked them, you know, how much time would we have before we were drafted? And the ballpark estimate was two months. So in that two months, um, I went to the Navy recruiting office because I had, as a kid, always read about World War II books about the Navy and so on. And the Navy recruiter said, oh, thanks very much for coming in. Two very quick questions for you. Did you go to Harvard? No. Did you have above a 4.0 GPA in college? No. Thank you very much for your interest. You're out. Wow. The, the, the interest in going to the Air Force and the Navy was so high, the quality that they could get for their officer corps was, was very high. I mean, in the sense that so many people felt that they wouldn't be on the ground in combat in Vietnam if they went to the Navy or the Air Force. Oh, I see. So yeah. bottom line is I enlisted in the Army for the officer candidate program. And I did it, ironically, it happened five days before I received my letter from Lyndon Johnson inducting me into the military. So I just made it. Wow. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank yes. you for your service. Wow. And then how long did you serve um, in the Army and uh, in Vietnam? In total, my time in the military was almost three years. Uh, basically, the first year, 10 plus months, were in training, my basic training, my advanced training, and then six months of officer's candidate school. Uh, once I graduated from officer's candidate school, I was a second lieutenant. And right at the end of my time in officer's candidate school, there was an opportunity to uh, move from a position in the infantry to a position in the Army Signal Corps. So I took that opportunity, uh, worked out very well long term. My tour in Vietnam was with the 101st Airborne Division. So I was still with an infantry division, but I was in more of a support role in the Signal Corps, uh, providing telecommunications. And after my tour in Vietnam, back to civilian life, I had a choice of going back to the government position I had or trying the corporate sector. And that's when I kind of capitalized on my Army experience in the Signal Corps and I interviewed with a company called the Ohio Bell Telephone Company, <laughs> which, of course, you may ultimately know as part of AT&T and through the cycle, I spent next uh, four decades with the group, ultimately part of AT&T or spun off out of AT&T, but brought back in because there was a significant amount of churn as the world of telecommunications was changing in those 40 years. 
Wow. Yeah, that's huge. You must have seen so much change and development, not only within your company, but I feel like within a job, like that doesn't happen anymore, that somebody stays for 40 years. So that's incredible. Yes, it, it is. Uh, in this day and age, it, it is much different. I recognize that. Uh, and yes, you're right. I could take you through <laughs> some of the uh, things that occurred in the world of telecommunications back from where when pay phones were a, a big element of the business, where the yellow pages were a huge element of the business. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, not being able to purchase a, a phone at a store because the company provided all the stores back in its day as a, a monopoly and so on. So again, wow. that was a pre, pre-mobile, pre-cellular. And now what we've seen, of course, with cellular technology, what you've got in your, your phone, your, it's your, in a sense, a mini computer, totally. And what you can do with that is just mind boggling. And of course, we know, more and more is going to happen in the future uh, with that. So. Wow, that's incredible. Have you enjoyed your career in tele? Have you enjoyed your career in telecommunications and here in Ohio with the the Ohio phone company and AT and T? Yes, very much so. I did. Uh, we did move around a bit. We played corporate gypsy for a while in the family. <laughs> uh, Youngstown to Akron to Cleveland. Did a uh, four-year assignment in New Jersey at the AT&T corporate headquarters. Got to experience the great life in New Jersey that some of my college classmates had been telling me. Yeah. What a great, what a great state New Jersey was. Couldn't believe it till we got there. <laughs> and then back to Cleveland, and then ultimately to Columbus, where the uh, the, the career kind of uh, was fulfilled and, and ended. So, yes, I did enjoy it. It was an exciting time as I was just describing with all the changes in the marketplace and, and everything else. Yeah, that's great. Um, so another question, you helped to start um, a, a Veterans Day ceremony on campus. Is this correct? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, in addition to my service in the military, one of the key friends that I had in the fraternity was a gentleman named Whitey Shope. And uh, he graduated two years ahead of me, went into the Marine Corps, was a Marine Corps officer. And in November of 1967, uh, he was killed in action in Vietnam. And certainly that had an impact on me as well as did the other fraternity members and those on campus who knew him because he was such a great guy. Uh, and I felt that it would be interesting, not more than interesting, it would be really a great thing, especially now that Franciscan has an ROTC program. If there was some type of annual recognition on campus on Veterans Day. So when I floated that idea to Tim, he thought it was an excellent one and made contact with a few people and we had an event on campus uh, years ago. And from that event evolved an initiative within our Talk Cap Epsilon fraternity to garner funds to have what has now become 
outside St. Thomas More Hall overlooking St. Francis is the, the flagpole and those benches that are there and, and so on. So that grew out of that, uh, that contributions that came in from our fraternity for that. And certainly with the help that Jim gave us, coordinating with the facilities people on campus, we were able to, to get that put in place. And we had a very nice ceremony the first year uh, Veterans Day in which that was really formally finished and so on and, and dedicated, if you might say. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And that's so important, especially for that era of people to know that you guys gave so much to our country, to our school, that it's represented. I'm so glad to hear that story. Thank you. It, it, and, and again, it uh, also prompted Tim and the alumni office to identify not only Whitey Shope, but others mm-hmm. who were alums who had been killed in action in the Korean War and so on. So mm-hmm. it, it brought all of that together. And I would also say that the contributions came predominantly from our fraternity, but when others from that era heard about it, they wanted to contribute as well. It's truly a beautiful memorial, um, especially at, at night, the way that it lights up the flag. It's a beautiful, it's kind of like a beacon right in the middle of campus. So we encourage people that haven't come to see it because it's a newer memorial. It's a newer construction on campus to look for it when you when you visit on campus. Uh, yes, uh, I was there just a couple of years ago uh, for passing through and stopped there with my son who had never been on campus. So I gave him the quick campus tour. <laughs> and at the same time, stopped there. He took a picture and we sent it to some of our fraternity brothers who got some enjoyment out of seeing it there. Yeah. And, and my being there at the time. So it, it worked out very well. That's great. That's very nice. Thank you. Um, so you, I mean, it's so interesting for us to hear about your life as a student, and then you had a really successful career as well. If you are looking back and you see these students who are on campus today, do you have any advice or thoughts for them after looking back on your own successful career and all of your life experiences? Yes. In addition to the foundation that Franciscan University gave me, and then the experience in the military, kind of uh, strengthening that and building more character, you might say, as well as the technical expertise I picked up in the military in the world of telecommunications, led to my career at AT&T. Now, I would say that clearly in a large corporation, you're going to cross paths with people from larger university, more well-known universities, now, whether it's Duke, Stanford, United States Military Academy, Ohio State, whatever it might be, that I would tell a student today that the foundation they're going to receive will be as significant to them as it may be for somebody who went to Duke or Stanford. And they can build on that. And I had the opportunity to have give direction to people from large universities and uh, Ivy League universities and so on. So uh, 
being from what is now Franciscan University didn't act as an impediment to me at all. And the second comment I would make, while it's important today to have a specialty, whether it be in medicine, computer science, or accounting, I would encourage the students of today to get as much broad breath as they can in liberal, excuse me, liberal arts courses, because you're going to be pushed into areas that aren't part of your specialty. Or even if you're in your specialty, with the way the world is changing today, they will want you to think more broadly than is just in your myopic specialty that you may have. Those would be my thoughts on that. That's great advice. Yeah, it sounds about right for who we are here at the university and really trying to build that foundation to blossom into anything. I think that's the exciting part for students today is the world is your oyster and you can do really anything. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Good. Thank you. So we'll go into our uh, session now of Hot Takes from the Hill. This is just a couple of questions, and it can be brief answers or what first comes to mind. So, Mike, did you have a favorite professor when you were on campus? Yes. Yes, I definitely had a favorite professor. Uh, His name was Maynard Ball. And I had him for U.S. foreign diplomacy and secondly for U.S. constitutional law. And I would describe his teaching style as more of the Socratic approach. He would give you the reading assignment, expect you to have read it, because when he came back to class, you'd be guaranteed that he would call upon you. And he would pose a question, you would give an answer, he would then take the opposite position and debate with you which of the two was more accurate, more correct. Oh, my goodness. So it's always a, a very interesting and a, an exciting class to go into. You must have really had to be prepared then when you walked in, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you, knew, you knew, again, you were going to be called upon, and you better be ready to establish your position and hold it. That's a great life skill. Thanks, Professor. So was his class your favorite as well, or did you have a different favorite class? Uh, those were, were my favorites. Uh, there was another professor I had for political science, Dr. Shinzalis. I also had him for Russian language. Uh, he, was, he was excellent, uh, had a great deal of background in government, and worked out very well. Uh, one uh, person I did not have, uh, unfortunately, was Dr. Kerrig, who seemed to be more on the history side. He had a great reputation because at the time, I believe he was a council member for the city of Steubenville. And certainly he had a lot of local government background and, and knowledge as well as service. His history blended very well into that. So. Wow, that's great. Um, did you have a favorite place to study on or off campus? Yes. Uh, the escape place for most everyone was the library, which at the time was on the second floor of Starvaji Hall, occupied that entire hall. Mm. So if you really needed a quiet place to go, that was about the best place unless you could find 
another quiet hole or a classroom at Starvaji Hall just to go into and be there. The dormitories did settle down. I mean, there were quiet <laughs> hours each evening, but on the weekend or for an extended period of time, if they really needed to get away, that was the place that was clearly uh, before the current library was constructed on campus. Great. And what about your favorite thing to do off campus for fun? Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, sports were, were a big thing and our basketball team was a very competitive team. So during basketball season, going to games at the Steubenville Arena, which were well attended both by students as well as a number, a large number of uh, residents of the surrounding metropolitan area. So that was an event. Uh, clearly, social life then revolved around other intramural activities, the fraternities and sororities, or occasionally breaking away downtown to the one of the movie theaters or uh, going to a, for a meal downtown. That was primarily activities going on then. Sounds like a sounds like fun. My my mother in law was telling me when we moved here. She said on Saturday nights, on Friday nights, um, when she was growing up, and I believe she's a, a contemporary of yours. You, downtown was crowded. I think they had like three movie theaters. So she said, "Oh yeah, you never had, you never were bored. You always had something to do." So it's interesting how things have changed. You know. Yes. Uh, in fact. I, I- I can recall two theaters, but I thought there was a third. So yes, she, you're hearing three. That's <laughs> that's, that's right. right oh, good. Okay. So last. And yes, the, the downtown was more vibrant uh, in the sense that uh, the retail was there, uh, as well as the restaurants and a few pubs. And uh, so, have you ever run into an alumni? in an unusual place. Yes, a number of alumni. Oh, great. Uh, in the Army, in Vietnam, um, uh, at work at AT&T, and one interesting time in a maternity ward at St. Elizabeth Hospital, Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, wow. Yes. Now, it was, uh, the other alum was also a father. <laughs> so we just happened to cross paths as we were standing there looking through the, the glass window at our newborns Aww. and so on. Yeah. Wow. That's so yeah. fun. That's a really beautiful story. That's really cool. What can I ask details of in the army or in Vietnam? How did you was it a surprise to see them or was it expected? It, it was it was unexpected. Uh, the story would go I, I was a duty officer one night. My responsibility was for about 40 men and about seven different bunkers we would put them into at night guarding our perimeter. And uh, before they were dispersed to the bunkers, they were lined up for inspection to make sure they had all the equipment that they needed and that their weapons were in, in functioning order and so on. And I remember going down the line, the second squad in there, and as I'm looking at this person's weapon to make sure it's functional and so on and so forth, I happened to look up. I saw his name tag. And I look at his face and it clicked right there. And uh, I made mention to him 
as I was giving his rifle back, I might see him again for a beer in such and such a pub. Hmm. And that's when it clicked in his eyes. <laughs> and, you know, he, oh yeah, he recognized me at that time as well. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, for the school being so small at that time, that's pretty wild. Yes, yes, you're, you're exactly right. Although, understand that every male graduate at the time hmm. was facing military service. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, wow. What, whether or not, unless they went on to graduate school, unless they were uh, became an elementary teacher, uh, there were a few other ways to get deferments from the draft board, uh, physical injury, and so on. But mm. all we we're all facing military service. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, those are great stories. So this has been really a pleasure to hear about your time and um, where life has taken you. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome and give my best to Tim. I will, uh, for will. sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.